0: Grab your Bibles. We're going to be all over the place today. We're looking at a, a little bit different message. And as uh, normally I like to do uh, a, a expository style message, but today's going to be a little different as we deal with the subject of grace. And I'm so thankful for grace. And as I looked at these graduates as they walked up here this morning, I kept thinking it's by the grace of their parents that they were able to walk and they didn't wind up dead somewhere along the way. Can I get an amen? Yeah, that's right. If you've raised children, you know what I'm talking about. You know what it's like to to see them along the way and to see the days of frustration. And I I think about grace and I think about God's grace and how incredible it is and what a privilege that every day we have the opportunity to be able to experience the grace of God. And as we think about this, I I just want to just share with you a little bit of what a quote that I found. It says, when a person works eight hours, an eight hour day and receives a fair wage for his time, that is a wage. When a person comes with an uh, opponent, uh, competes with an opponent, and receives a trophy for his performance, that is a prize. When a person receives an appropriate recognition for his long service or high achievement, that is an award. But when a person is not capable of earning a wage, can win no prize, and deserves no reward, yet receives such a gift anyway, that is a good picture of God's unmerited favor. And that's what, it mean, what we mean when we talk about God's grace. Today, as we think about this short study of grace, I just want to remind you that God demonstrated His grace to you and to me. And so before we go any further, let's get in, uh, Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll jump right into the Word of God today. Father, thank You for the grace that You show us, and thank You for this opportunity to receive the grace of God, the grace which is greater than all my sin. Lord, marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. Lord, we just rejoice in that truth. We thank you, God, for your mercy. And, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be not only recipients, but also the givers of this kind of grace. Lord, I just pray that your special blessings will be upon our graduates. I pray, Lord, that you would help them as they go in, into the workforce, the military or college. And God, as they move forward and take the next step, that, Lord, that you would be the center of all that they do. Take this time we have together in the word of God. Encourage the saints, Lord, and, and help us, Lord, to be reminded that your presence is ever near us. We praise you, Father, and thank you for Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. want to see first and foremost that grace was demonstrated by God. But before we see that grace was demonstrated, I want you to understand what grace is. If we look at Vine's dictionary, he's got a really uh, long definition of grace. And he says this, on the part of the bestower, the friendly disposition from which the, uh, the kindly act proceeds. It's graciousness. It's loving kindness. Goodwill, generally especially with reference to the divine favor or grace. Another way to say it is grace uh, is unmerited. It is the unmerited favor of God. Truly, none of us deserve the grace of God. None of us can say, "I, I have done enough to where I can deserve God's grace. But this is what we see that first off, that God's grace is one of his key attributes Exodus chapter 34, if you want to look in your Bible there, we want to jump right into the Old Testament as we see that God's grace is part of who he is. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, it says, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that By no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. What a great picture of God's grace here. God is gracious. Amen. We're grateful that he is a gracious God. And we see this demonstrated Throughout scripture, it was demonstrated in the Old Testament and then it was revealed by Christ. And in the Old Testament, we see that as as the Israelites were in the land of Egypt, God poured out his grace. They were in the land of Egypt. They didn't deserve to be brought out. But God says, let me show you my grace. and Let me bring you out by my mercy. In Deuteronomy chapter number seven, verses seven through eight. We see that God demonstrated his grace toward the children of Israel. It says the Lord God or excuse me, the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You see, it wasn't because of anything great they'd done. It wasn't because they were a great people, but because he is a great God. And we see that, God's grace was revealed in a fantastic way as Jesus Christ came to this earth and he laid down his life. I appreciate that songs today. Nothing but the blood and then uh, the song with the special as, as we reflect upon the cross and the fact that we were on his mind at the cross and all of these things revealed to us that Jesus is God's greatest picture of grace we could ever imagine today. Grace Grace, God's grace, great that grace that is greater than all our sin. You see, the grace of God was res- supremely revealed by Jesus. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 40, we see that if, uh, Jesus Christ was a be- beneficiary of God's grace. He says, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. But it's also, we see that Jesus was the embodiment of grace. And everything he was and did in John 1, 14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus Christ is grace, and he is the picture of grace for us today. And we see that he brings it to us, to humankind in Titus chapter 2, in verse number 11. Today, when we look at Jesus Christ, he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. You see, God's grace is on on full display with Jesus Christ. And as a believer, I never get tired of hearing that God's grace is shed for me and for you. And when Jesus died for you, my, my friend, and when Jesus Christ laid down his life on the cross, I'm reminded that it is God's grace on display for us. You believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. And so we see that when, when Jesus Christ came, he died and he resurrected and Jesus restored the broken fellowship, the broken fellowship that God and we had with him. And so there, it was not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. And, and, you know, I'm thankful that today we can experience the grace of God and the only way for salvation, the only way to be reconciled to God is for you to accept the grace of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 15 and verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. It's only by Jesus. It's only by the grace of that he is displayed for us. It says uh, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 24. We see here in Romans 3, verse 24 and verse 28, some powerful lessons as well because his grace was radically set against the law. And we see that he overcomes the law. He says, being justified freely... By his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And verse 28: Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. You know what that means today? That today I am free to live in Jesus Christ. Due to his grace, due to his abundant mercy today that's been poured out, he gives you the opportunity to live in, in such a way that you have been made free from the burdens that the law puts upon man. Jesus Christ is God's grace today. Romans chapter 4 and verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not uh, reckoned of grace, but of debt. He says, listen, if you're trusting in the law, if you're trusting in your own merit, if you're trusting in what what you can do to get to heaven, then you have foregone the grace of God. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 21, he, he speaks to this. and He says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You see, the term "frustrate" is from uh, the, the Greek word, which means to do away with, to set aside, to disregard. And when we attempt to, uh, to earn God's favor, we literally do away with all that Christ did on the cross. I tell you, as a Bible believer today, I want to remind you that God offers you the grace of God freely bestowed on all, all who believe. It is God's grace and it's that grace that he demonstrated on the cross and it's the grace that today we continue to proclaim that God's grace is for all men uh, everywhere. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16 just previously he mentioned knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified no matter how hard i try i can never get there on my own no matter how hard i work and labor and think i can i can attain salvation in my own works and my merits or my baptism or my church attendance or any of those things listen you're going to fall far short and that's why jesus when he came he said listen i came that you might have grace that you might have the grace of god shed upon your life today and he offers it to you this morning he offers you the opportunity to experience the grace through jesus christ not through your works see god demonstrated his limitless grace to you today and he offers it to you freely but we also see that there is a grace that's been demanded you see because when i became a christian in 1988 and i put my faith in jesus christ and that moment i realized that that uh, i was a brand new person the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. I'm a new creature. I have a brand new uh, outlook and perspective and I've, because I've got somebody new living inside of me. And it's exciting to know that God has said, listen, that I'm not saved. Uh, excuse me. I, I'm not here uh, to receive the grace of God by my works, but because of the grace of God, I want to serve. And because of the grace of God, I want to be able to show that grace to others. There are many secular organizations today, and I'm thankful for those that have stepped up and said, we want to be a helping hand to people in need during this time of of, of just a global pandemic. And as we look at this, I'm just thankful for them because they can help feed the hungry, and they can help build homes, and they can help clothe the poor. But there's something that the the church excels at above everything else, and that's in extending the grace of God. And today, God says, listen, it's time for us to be the hands and feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's time for us to be able to extend grace to those around us. For the world, grace is a foreign concept. Matter of fact, I remember when I was in uh, high school, I went to economics class, and Mrs. Strunk was my teacher, and she was a, a, a really sweet, godly lady, and she taught me something that's important. And she said, uh, she said, class, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Somebody's got to pay for it somewhere. And this is the world's economics. And, and we heard other sayings like, you've got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. We heard other things that we must uh, earn our own way, and uh, it's every man for himself. But then along came Jesus, and he introduced Introduces something brand new and he says, listen, the kingdom of heaven is like and as he began to teach and he began to preach, we see that Jesus proceeds to tell a story that turns this this world's economics up on its head and everything goes upside down. And after uh, uh, after all, who what shepherd would leave ninety nine and go after one or who can who would leave all of their coins and search diligently for one lost coin? That'd be God. That be our heavenly Father. You see, because that's God's grace on display, His grace to His children is completely unmerited. His love, His forgiveness that He offers today—it's—it's it's an extravagant display of His love for us and for all of the world. And and while our soul longs for grace, we're we're uh, just we're also as believers encouraged and called to extend that grace to others. Philip Yancey stated this. None of us gets paid according to uh, to merit. For none of us comes close to satisfying God's requirement for a perfect life. If Truth be told, what I deserve is not what I've received. Truth be told, it's God's grace that I'm here. And we see grace that's demonstrated, grace that has been demanded, has been demanded through forgiveness. Much I've been forgiven. As a believer, I know that God has forgiven my life and forgiven me much. And as we represent Jesus to a broken world, I remind you that God calls on us to reflect his character and extend his grace and and to demonstrate his unmerited love. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, it says, And be ye kind, one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You see, Christ further instructs his forgiveness in Matthew chapter 8 in verses 21 and 22 when Peter asks, How often, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? And now if you understand a little bit about the the, the context of this situation, you see that that the Jews would instruct folks and said, Listen, you've got to forgive people three times, and on the fourth time, don't forgive them anymore. And so Peter said, Should we double that? I mean, is seven about right? That's showing your grace? And Christ's response in verse 22 was, not seven times, but 70 times seven. He says, listen, the number's not important. It's the act of forgiveness. It's a willingness to continue to forgive. You see, because God calls us and says, listen, will you forgive? Will you be gracious? In a time like this, I'd say our world has been turned upside down. Emotions that were once pretty level for most folks have been up and down. This week, I've seen folks that have really struggled. And I remind you that it's during this time that God says, I want you to extend my grace to them. I want you to be willing to just show my love and my forgiveness. And maybe in your home, you've experienced some of this. And maybe in your home this week, you've experienced some times that things seemed upside down. And I remind you that God says, demonstrate my grace through forgiveness. Husbands, wives, man, God, I know I, I, there are times when it's exciting to be married, amen? But then there's times where you're like, why in the world did I ever get married? And you know, you maybe you're going through some times and some struggles right now, and I'll remind you that just as God has extended grace to you, be willing to extend it to one another. This is the love of your life. But we see also in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, before he gets to the dissertation about husbands and wives, and, and he starts that in the next verse, But in verse number 21, he says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. How how vital it is right now in this time that we learn truly the grace of forgiveness, the grace also secondly of serving in the world today. The concept is to be a domineering leader, to be someone that steps on the backs of others to get where they what they think that they deserve. Yet when Christ came to this earth, he said, let me show you. What a biblical, godly leader is. And he grabbed the servant's towel. And he grabbed the servant's wash basin. And he knelt before his disciples. And he bathed their feet. He did the job of a servant. Not because not because of anything other than he wanted us to be left with an example of what a servant is. Are you a servant? You see, because when we serve others, we're showing the grace of God. John chapter 13, verses 12 through 15. 15 this is what he says so then after he had washed their feet and taken his garments and was set down again he said unto them know you what i've done unto you ye call me master and lord and ye say well for i uh, for so i am if i then your lord and master have washed your feet ye ought you also ought to wash one another's feet for uh, for i have given you an example that ye should do as i have done to you Christ gave us, gave us this great example. Christ left us here in this passage that God has called us to show his grace by serving. And he says in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 31, But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. You see, it's not about who can be first, it's about who can be last. Instead of trying to see who can race to the front of the line, it should be who can be the one first one to the back of the line. You see, God's called us to serve one another. At a time when it seems like tempers are short and things are flaring and emotions are up and down, let me encourage you, put on the grace of serving. Put on, Pick up that towel and serve your children and serve your spouse and say, let me show you what grace is all about. And you say, well, you don't understand, preacher. You don't know what kind of a guy he is. You don't know what kind, how how bad she's treated me. And let me just say that, That God doesn't say, my grace is dependent on, and your obedience is dependent on, but God says, listen, if you want to experience the grace of God, then today you must be willing to say, God, I humble myself, and I'll serve. Will you serve? Will you put on that grace of God? You see that God also calls us to have put on that grace through loving. Man, we all want to feel loved. There's more love songs written, I think, than any other uh, version or genre of song. And many of you can probably right now think of your favorite love song and sing it front to back, and maybe you lean over to your sweetheart sometime, and and you sing that to them, and and you think about those things, but the greatest form of love is agape love, and God demonstrated that to us so beautifully on the cross. And then Christ says, in the same passage that he says, wash one another's feet, in the same passage he says, Listen, I want you to serve one another. He says in John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. This is the commandment. He says, listen, I want you to learn to love one another. I want you to learn to sacrifice for one another. I want you to to experience what it means to be able to love as I have loved you, and that means giving of yourself to them. Man, the world today is in desperate need to hear the love of God. The world today is in desperate need to know what it is to feel the love that only God can, can give and offer. You see, because the reality is that the world hears this. I'll love you if our love goes as far as, and you got to fill in the blank. I'll love you as long as you're nice. I'll love you as long as the money holds out. I'll love you as, as long as our health is good. I'll love you whatever the love is, but God says, listen, if you're going to love me and you're going to obey this commandment, then you've got to love like I've loved. He says that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one for another. The testimony for the world that we are believers today is that, that we love one another. What an incredible way to extend grace. What an incredible way that God's given us to be able to say, let me show you the grace of God. And 1 Peter chapter 4 is a way that we can see that God says, listen, let me demonstrate, to, you. let me remind you to, to demonstrate this grace, this love on a regular basis. Because as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. He said, listen, don't let it stop with you, but let it continue on and continue on. In the book Guided by Grace by Dr. Paul Chappell, he says, because grace is the inner working and development of the Holy Spirit, only those who have uh, been born again by the Spirit of God can attain the privilege of serving as a leader. This service begins with worship. And ministry to others is merely an extension of our worship to Him. When growth in God's grace is absent from our lives, it is impossible to exhibit His love before a world that is weary of power politics and fleshly leadership. Titus 2 says it like this. Titus 2.10, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. I'm so thankful for Jesus Christ I'm thankful for the grace he's offered I'm thankful that today as we as we're able to gather in this parking lot this morning that we are uh, reminded that God's grace is poured out abundantly upon all men everywhere right now and God offers each and every individual an opportunity to be saved and it's a glorious blessing to know that God is still on the throne through all of this and then As believers, we have the great privilege, the great opportunity now to be the hands and feet of Jesus and demonstrate to our world, let me show you what grace looks like. Let me show you what God's love looks like. Let me demonstrate to you that God's grace is poured out to you today. The plague of the generations, and I quote, is service and ministry that do not flow from a heart of grace and a heart that knows Him, The result is the world and the church do not see a genuine experience in the lives of those who bear the name of Christ. Through the last two months, we have been through extreme, extreme circumstances globally. I'm just thankful that many of us have, as we've weathered this storm and we've gone through this, have experienced the grace of God that's been poured out upon our lives, but not everyone has. And as we go through this, we see the extreme polarization of people and ideas and mentalities and thought processes. And I remind you that it's in these moments that God says, will you extend the grace of God to one another? Will you be willing to say, listen, your opinion of this situation may be different and that's okay. Let's make Christ the center of everything we do. You know, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's not about what I do, it's about what He has done. And I, and I appreciate so much those who have come and have had a, a, just a good balanced spirit in this time. And those who have led out of a balanced spirit. Because as we see that that through this strain, the anxiety, the fear, the anger, the emotional outbursts, it is in this moment that God is calling us as the church to be guided by His grace. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 20 says, for what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Let us choose, church. Let us choose to grow in grace. Let us choose to have a spirit guided by grace. Let us choose to be able to abound in forgiveness and love and grace as we uh, deal and interact with one another. Husbands, wives, no doubt that there has been a great stress upon your marriage. And I've seen marriages that have been strengthened through this. And I've seen marriages that have suffered. And as we think about all that you've gone through, and I think about all the stresses and the the trials that that you're going through today, I just remind you that God's grace is sufficient. In this time, trust Him. Trust Him. Lean not into thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. So I exhort you, extend grace. Have grace in your home. And, And I'll be honest, there's times in our home where we have to pray, God, help your grace to abound. Help us to be gracious toward one another, that we might have that spirit of grace. Maybe it's important for a father or a mother to come along beside one another and say, You know, I've not been gracious. This message this morning has reminded me that my spirit's been, been haughty or my spirit's been bitter, or my spirit's been angry. And right now, I just want to come before you, confess it, and ask you to forgive me, and let us move forward, trusting God and, and growing together in grace. But today, let me remind you I don't know the hearts of every individual. I can't see into the windshield, let alone the hearts of all who's here today. But this is what I know. For by grace are ye saved. That's God's exclamation point right there. That's when God says, listen... God offers for you the opportunity to experience salvation, and this salvation is through Jesus Christ and Him alone. It is not through my works, not through my abilities, not through my charisma, not through my good works, or any of those things. It only comes through Jesus Christ this morning. And I just invite you today that you experience salvation through Christ. And maybe you've you've put your faith in a baptism, or maybe you've put your faith in some other thing, a, a, an experience or some other opportunity, Uh, some other thing in the past, I tell you that there's salvation is through faith in Christ and Christ alone. You see, it's not about what you do. It's not about what uh, you, you do in this world because it's what about Jesus has already accomplished for you. And today, at this moment, the opportunity is for you to receive the grace of God. Right now in your car, I know there's there, we can't get out of our car and we can't invite you to come to an altar and have someone pray with you. But but at this moment, you have this opportunity right now to experience the grace of God in your life. And God beckons you and says, Listen, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of repentance. And He wants you today to be able to come to know Him as your Savior. He doesn't want you to leave this parking lot, get in an accident, and, and, and enter into an eternity with question marks or doubts or wonders what will happen to me next because God says that you can know you can know beyond any shadow of a doubt that when you leave this earth that you're on your way to heaven and God makes this available to you right now this morning free of charge he's already paid the price and he makes it available to you and as we think about this this morning if you bow your heads in your car right while you're out and if you're on live stream with us invite you to bow your heads and and I And I just ask if you'll pray with me that maybe you've not been gracious to those around you. Maybe you've had some times of anger or emotional outbursts. Maybe this is a moment where you say, Lord, forgive me. Help me to be gracious in my response to those about me. Help me, Lord, to be able to demonstrate to the world that God is gracious and he's worthy. I've not been forgiving. I've been angry. I've been full of self and conceit and God I, I recognizes that that's that sinful behavior and I repent this morning. Maybe this morning you're here and you say or you're on live stream and you're watching and you say Pastor, I'll be honest, I'm not saved I know I'm not saved and I know I need to be saved. Or maybe you have questions the Bible says that you can know. The Bible says in uh, Romans 10, 13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He says in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. God makes this available to you this morning. He says salvation is yours. If you'll call upon him, if you'll say, Lord, Lord, I call upon you, ask you for forgiveness. I can't can't save myself and I put my my faith completely in Jesus as my Savior and this morning I call upon him and asking him to save me today. Father, as we, we come before you this morning, I thank you for this glorious opportunity we've had to honor graduates, to get in the word of God, to be encouraged, to sing, Lord. But God, no doubts that there have been times and hearts and families, and Lord, Satan has desired to destroy and discomfort and, and, and discourage hearts today, and I pray that Lord, you would rebuke the Satan and his work, Lord, in the, in the lives of your people today. That, God, we would be willing to come back to Calvary and say, God, just as you demonstrated grace, Lord, help me to demonstrate gra- the grace of God to those I love so dearly. Help us, Lord, to be able to demonstrate grace to fellow believers in church. Lord, and though we say things sometimes that are full of, uh, uh, of self and conceit, Lord, forgive us and, Lord, help us to demonstrate to the world that, listen, that we are yours by the love that we show and the grace that we display. And God, I just pray, Lord, for that individual, those those ones that are are sitting in the parking lot this morning or on live stream today that are watching. And And I just pray this morning that as they need the grace of God for salvation, that, God, they would call upon you, Lord, that they would trust in you, and that, Lord, they might be saved right now. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the grace of God that's shed upon the hearts of people today. May they, Lord, turn to you by faith in salvation we praise you in jesus name amen